This is Hammond. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash Friendly Atheist Podcast to support the show. You get ad-free episodes if and when we have ads. You get bonus episode access as well. There's a Discord, all that good, and a Facebook group as well. Mm-hmm. Let me give a huge thank you to some of our more recent supporters. And I read the names as you people type them, <laughs> which leads to what I'm about to say today. Thanks to Angie M, Jacqueline the Love Barris, oh. Michelle K, Barris Carrie or N, George Washington the Third, oh. C1PH3RD, which I think is ciphered, maybe. Oh, no, no, no. I think you're thinking of C3PO. I am Confused not. Confused again. Cheryl R, Autumn K, Bert N, Jackie. Robert T, Christopher P, Lothian 53, Johannes O, and Danielle Z. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone. We really appreciate it. And since we are talking, um, I was debating which story to talk about, and there's a bunch of shit ones to talk about. But I think the only logical choice to begin with is the Georgia Guidestones. Do you have any idea what the Georgia Guidestones are? No. Okay. I'm going to do my best to explain this to you. I've definitely heard the phrase Guidestones before, but I can't place it. Um, Listen, in the show description, if you haven't seen it, Mm. or just Google this if you're by your computer. Can I Google it? You can go to, uh, go on YouTube, search Last Week Tonight, the John Oliver Show, and look up a segment they did called Rocks. That's you could do that right now. Pause this, uh-huh. go watch that because it's amazing. They did that in May of oh. this year, like a month and a half ago. Uh-huh. Um, but it's relevant again this week. So if you haven't seen it, Jess, if you want to move over to this side, I'm going to show you a picture of the Georgia Guidestones, and then you could tell people what you are looking at here. Uh, tell people when you walk back, this is you're looking at the Georgia Guidestones. In the middle of, like, rural Georgia. Can you go the other way? I need context. Yes, the context is in your, you're in the middle of nowhere Georgia. And then you just see what looks to be, like, Stonehenge, but with only a handful of rocks and writing on some of the rocks. It looks a lot like the... um, war memorial in columbus indiana okay um it's a very similar thing that it's just like concrete or marble or whatever just like sheer rocks that have writing on them that just go straight up they're very large yeah um and this week uh on wednesday someone blew them up and that's why this is in the news with a bomb with like some kind of explosion no one was hurt but clearly physically blew it up like did not blow blow its spot up metaphorically it was destroyed and i think they ended up destroying the rest of it so it wouldn't hurt anybody oh no um so the question is what's going on here's the next thing you need to know you know who is super excited that these things were destroyed conservative christian politicians one of whom remember the god uh, baby's guns lady who ran in Georgia, Candace Taylor. Yeah, I miss her. She was someone who very clearly said, if you elect me, what was she running for, governor? Like, if you vote for me, 
I will destroy this monument. So when it got destroyed this week, for reasons we don't know, we don't know who did it, we don't know why they did it, she was among the people very excited to see this thing destroyed. I am begging you to explain what guidestones Uh are to me. (laughs) So here's the deal. How old do you think those stones are, this Stonehenge-like thing in the middle of nowhere, Georgia? Mm, I'm going to guess it's younger than we think. I'm going to guess it's from the 90s. Well done. Yeah? It's actually, it's a little older. 1980 is when those things were erected. And the weird thing is... But intended to look very old-timey, I assume. It does look very old-timey. You would think, like, oh, this has been there for hundreds, maybe thousands of years. No, it's 1980. Some mysterious dude... Uh, put it up there. His pseudonym, anyway, was R.C. Christian. Very on um, the money. Whose property is this on? I don't know. Okay, that but feels like a, important I think it was meant to be like a tourist trap. Sure, like sure, maybe sure. people will want to see it. And World's guess what? They do. Chair. They totally come by there. Um, and the weird thing is, the Georgia Guidestones have what looks to be like a different version of the Ten Commandments on them. There are one of the slabs has a 10-part message of things we need to do to live in a world guided by reason. Um, And then those 10 items are listed in like eight different languages. And I think the idea here is in the future, even when everything else gets destroyed, this monument will still be around as kind of an instruction booklet Uh for the people who are left behind or something like that. And so what are those 10 things on there? Because it's not the Ten Commandments. They include things like keep... I'm going to make sure I get this right. Maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. So the population. Maintain humanity under 500 million. million. Well, we blew past that. We very much (laughs) blew past it. So some people would look at that and say... What year did we blow past that? The conspiracy theorists are like, oh no, they want to destroy all the 8 billion people on Earth and get it down to 500 million. There's another item on there that says, guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. Um, okay, diversity is good, but could you repeat that line again? Guide reproduction wisely. We are tangoing into eugenics territory. (laughs) Very eugenist-y. There's a couple others that are fine. Unite humanity with a living new language. Mm. Rule, passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. All right, fine, whatever. Then there's another one. Let all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court. It, very strange items. And so, anyway, the Guidestones go up in 1980. It's like, who the hell wrote this stuff? Because yeah. it's weird. Some of it's not that bad, but some of but it's, it's strange. very specific, very, I would very say. Like, five, like, the population in 1980 was 4.3 billion. So that's not like a... Uh, like it's not like half of what it is now or we can't pass uh-huh. this it's a very specific i wonder if that's what somebody said was carrying capacity back then go ahead <laughs> i'm gonna look that up so anyway this has been up for a while the, we don't really know who put it up the reason i mentioned the john oliver clip is they kind of went through what the heck these things are and they found an old interview with someone who claims to be in communication with the actual person who or at least knew of who put this thing up 
And the person who they named uh-huh. um, turns out to be a guy who was really supportive of white supremacy and eugenics. And it's like, oh, that whole guide reproduction wisely thing looks pretty bad. So I guess when they said diversity, they didn't mean like different ethnicities and races and creeds of people. They probably meant not mating with your individual family members <laughs> is genuinely what I bet he was going for Good. there. I, I don't know. Like, hey, let's stop all the incest, guys. Maybe we should focus on the long term. We saw what happened with those European royalty guys. It didn't go great. And while all of this is happening, you have conservative Christians who think this whole thing is something satanic because there is that reference that's into eugenics and there is a reference to population control and this idea of a global government. So all these far right-wing conspiracists think this whole thing is satanic. So Candace Taylor, the one running for Republican governor of Georgia, but Uh lost in the primary, she said, if you elect me, like one of the things I'm going to do is destroy this monument. Because of the racism, right? No. Because of the global government and the population control thing, I think. So when this thing got destroyed this week, one of the things Taylor tweeted was, God is God all by himself. He can do anything he wants to do. That includes striking down satanic guidestones. It's like, mm, all right. Okay. Um, <laughs> the weird thing is like, I don't care about these guidestones. Right. They say some weird shit. I'm not endorsing any of it. But also it's kind of messed up. Someone just destroyed this thing and we don't know who. And also the Christian right is very happy these things are destroyed. Right, which... It's just a bizarre... I thought they liked things that have been there for a long time just because they've been there for a long time. Tradition. Yeah. Um, It's such a weird artifact to have in the middle of nowhere. I'm truly looking up the history of carrying capacity to see if I can (laughs) find... I'm telling you, the rabbit hole, if you go down for Georgia Guidestones, is absolutely wild, and you should all... Give it a shot. Yeah, because like in the 19th century, somebody, I can't think of his name. I'm on Wikipedia, sorry. Uh-huh. Um, Benjamin mathematician Pierre-Francois Verholst. Sure, why not? Um, he didn't say the word uh, carrying capacity, but at that time, in 1838, he was like, okay, we obviously, you know, population can't keep growing. It's unsustainable. So he marked a carrying capacity of Earth can't do this, but he did not take into consideration like advances in farming and housing and things like that. Anyway, all that's to say is I was wondering if maybe that's what he said in the 19th century of like 500 million is the the capacity. I love trying to find the logic though. You know what I mean? I I love trying to like the logic of strangers who left you a like magical code (laughs) of some sort. Exactly. Like very cryptic. I think I just genuinely in my heart want to think that there is an internal logic to most people's (laughs) bullshit and I just want to find it. Yeah. Let's jump to this strange but interesting news. According to Gallup, a record low number of Americans believe the Bible is literally true, which is great. I'm glad that's a record low. What percentage of Americans believe the Bible is literally true? And the actual wording they used is how many people believe it's the actual word of God to be taken literally? 30%. 20. I was going to say 20. 20. I it was too And low. that's, uh, that number, it used to be like back in the 1980s, uh-huh. it was like 40. 
percent. So that number has declined by a lot. Okay. Um, what's interesting is when was it forty? Sorry. Uh, when was it forty? Like early nineteen eighties, late nineteen seventies. Another option that they could have chosen was it's inspired by God, but not meant to be taken literally. That to number, me, that would be half of people. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. It's about 49% now, but that's been steady for like decades. That number has not budged. This has what's, to be one of my highest success what, rates of what's guessing gone shit. Up, what's gone up uh-huh. <laughs> is the percentage of people who say the Bible is a book of fables, um, history and moral precepts recorded by man. As in the Bible is Uh man-made, it is a collection of fables and mythologies and their version of documenting history, whether or not it's true. That's what they were trying to do. What's that percentage? That has now gone up to 29%. Okay. So the good news is that- So more people believe it's fables than believe it's a literal word of God. That is true. And and most people, like about half of people- By 50%, right? uh, We'll say that again. It's- there's double the amount of people who think it's fables. You said 50% higher than the 20%. Yeah. Sorry. Too much math. 20% you're say it's, li- but you're right, but you're right. 20% believe it's all yeah. uh, literally true. 29% say, no, it's not. It's absolutely oh just a random book that a bunch of dudes put together. And about half of America says, eh, it's a nice book inspired by God. Okay, fine. So, Good news is we're down to 20% of biblical literalists. Okay. Bad news is like, I think every single one of those people is an elected Republican somewhere. Um, But this is where it gets really interesting. Like, I'm not that surprised that the numbers are moving in that direction Mm because every poll you see says people are running away from organized religion. Uh Even if they're not becoming atheists, they are becoming nuns, so to speak. Um, so that's an O-N-E-S, not N-O-N-E-S. They're moving in the right direction. One other thing Gallup pointed out is that decline in biblical literalists correlates with a decline in the number of Americans who say religion is very important in their lives. Oh, that makes sense. So it turns out if you don't think religion's that big of a deal to you, Mm -hmm. it seems like a lot of those people are saying, yeah, I don't believe the Bible is literally true, which makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, here's what doesn't make sense to me. See if you can make sense of this. 16% of self-identified Christians, 16-1-6, said the Bible is a book of fables. And they consider themselves what kind of Christians? Just Christians. 16% of Christians said the Bible's a book of fables. That's a lot lower than I thought it would really? be. I thought it was yeah. higher. Like, I'm, I'm sure there are some Christian denominations, universalists, things like that, uh-huh. who don't take the Bible literally true at all. I was actually surprised it was as high as 16%. I would have given it a few percent, but See, man, 16 I just agree. I feel like the casually Christian people I know I'm are, like, less... I completely lost my train of thought because no, I wasn't fine. at the You're microphone. The Chris, some of the Christians you know, oh, the, the don't Christians take the Bible I know, yeah, I, I feel uh, maybe, maybe I'm misinterpreting what they're saying or they're not being truthful with me because I am. They know I'm an atheist or know who I am <laughs> or whatever. But like, I feel like 
the sort of people talk about sort of the lessons and the morals and the metaphors of things, but maybe which I would argue is part of that forty nine percent of Christians who say it's inspired by God, but it's not literally true. So yes, Genesis is a metaphor, yeah, or it's an idea of what ancient people thought about the creation yeah. of the world. But the Jesus stuff they might believe in entirely, sure, even if they don't buy all the Old Testament flood type of stuff. Hmm. Here's one that was even more weird than the 16% say it's a book of fables. 6% of non-religious people, the Uh non-religious crowd, 6% of them said the Bible is the actual word of God. So those would be the kind of um, quote-unquote atheists that they make Christian movies about. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like those are the ones who are like, God, my wife died and now I'm mad at God. That makes me an atheist, which like is yeah. super not how it works, but Christians seem to think that's how it works. And so I think some of the, that would be, that's my yeah. guess. Who are these people who are like, I'm not religious. Is the Bible true? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just don't believe it in true. it. I just hate everything about yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know, my man. So man, that's a level of cognitive dissonance that is wild. Oh, by the way, I'm going to be on God Awful Movies on Tuesday. As you should be. I'm going to plug it properly <laughs> Later, but if I forget. Um, Catherine Stewart, the journalist, wrote in the New York Times this week talking about Roe and all the other Christian mm. nationalist uh, Supreme Court decisions and stuff. She was talking about those biblical literalists. And one of the things she pointed out, because those are the people who tend to be in politics, the ones who, like, yeah, I'll put my hand on the Constitution and or I'll put my hand mm, on the Bible, Bible sword to uphold the Constitution when they really do it the other way around. Mm. And she said, breaking American democracy isn't an unintended side effect of Christian nationalism. It is the point of the project because mm-hmm. these people want to make yeah. it biblical. They want the Bible to be true. Yeah. And again, what that says to me is, yeah, the number of people who are biblical literalists has declined down to 20%. Mm-hmm. But man, that 20% is so powerful. So powerful and um, so loud. Yeah. They make laws that affect all of us. We've seen it with reproductive rights, vaccine mandates, public school curricula, which we're going to talk about in a bit. Um, and that should be frightening to everybody. And here's the other thing to keep in mind. Even biblical literalists don't agree with each other about what the Bible says. Which is the thing that we're always going to come back to when we talk about Bible literalists is that Genesis happens twice in the Bible. Right. Um, We hear the story from Jesus from what four different points of view Mm -hmm. and none of them necessarily mesh up that well. It's just, it's not just, I, 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 I just, it's simply impossible to actually literally believe in the actual literal Bible as the word of God, because if it is the perfect word of God, it couldn't contradict itself. You would think it shouldn't, right? and Am they I, will rationalize all of those is there contradictions. something I'm away. misunderstanding there? Because it's like uh, the way you get around that is, well, it was inspired by God, but written by man, because and because men aren't perfect, they messed it up. Yeah, but no, the, but there if, are plenty of people who are like, nope, it's literally true. They recorded it accurately the way jesus told whatever like is lilith real or not real pat robertson you would think televangelist Uh, you would think he is one of the literalists right that's his whole shtick the bible is true i'm gonna give you bible-based everything yeah pat robertson has said i'm quoting here i don't think most christians are stupid enough referring to believing in young earth creationism Pat Robertson was like, of course evolution is true. We Science love infighting in this family. <laughs> but the point is, like, Pat 
Robertson would easily say he's a biblical literalist. He thinks the Bible is true. He thinks you're misinterpreting. Uh. He thinks Ken Ham and creationists are misinterpreting Genesis 1. Yeah, they're the idiots. But, like, that's the thing. Biblical literalists do not agree on what the Bible literally says, which is a whole different type of joke. Isn't that like a paradox? (laughs) If they say it's literal but can't agree what the literal meaning is, isn't that paradoxical? Which tells you a lot about how the Bible, a biblical literalist thing. So the bottom line here, fewer Americans are biblical literalists, which is fantastic. Those biblical literalists still can't get their story straight, Mm -hmm. which is hilarious. And also those biblical literalists wield so much power Mm -hmm. over our political process, which is terrifying. Yeah. Um, but there you go. There's some interesting news right there. (sighs) This is a different story from Rolling Stone. I'm surprised no one caught this earlier, but good on them for picking up on this and catching it. Mm -hmm. A couple days after the Supreme Court issued their Roe v. Wade ruling, there was a conservative YouTuber. She goes by Corinne IRL in real life, Uh but she filmed like a two hour, uh, live stream That was like in front of the Supreme Court. The anti-abortion people were celebrating. We've talked about that musician, Sean Foyt, very anti-vaccine. He was in front of the Supreme Court singing. So if you watch the two-hour live stream, it's a lot of people parading in the streets, Uh celebrating overturning of Roe. Uh It's it's just a a live stream. It's not really organized or anything like that. And there's only a couple thousand people viewing it. Like, in terms of YouTube numbers, it's nothing insane. And how many people would you guess are physically at the Supreme Court? If I'm watching through the video, it's not like it's jam-packed shoulder to shoulder. There are just people walking in the crowd. Clearly, they are there maybe for the Sean Foyt concert. Mm, Maybe mm -hmm. they are there just because the Christian group said, hey, we're all gathering here. Come on down. Let's celebrate. Whatever. The point is, in the middle of this conversation... At one point, you could hear the person behind the camera, Mm -hmm. I assume Corinne IRL, Uh speaking with a lady who's walking, marching, happens to be in front of her. And Mm -hmm. they start having a conversation. And this lady says out loud, um, here's the conversation. She says like she prays with the Supreme Court justices. And the, the YouTuber's like, wait, you actually pray with the Supreme Court justices? I do, says this lady. They will pray with us, those that like to pray with them. Some of them don't. (laughs) And then the live streamer says, like, so do you, like, pray with them in their homes or at their offices? And she points to the Supreme Court and says, we actually go in there. And then later in that same conversation, this woman says, this is off the record, right? And it's like, honey, you're being live streamed right now. And, And again, the YouTuber, who I believe is conservative, uh-huh. doesn't think any of this is weird. She sure. just goes on with a live stream as if nothing's happening. Right. Rolling Stone magazine, a couple of writers for them, must have been tipped off or figured out, oh, wait, that's a big effing deal. Because uh-huh. think about this. If I told you the Supreme Court is about to hear a case that I have in front of the court... Oh, and by the way, I just happened to be there last week giving them some food. I hung out. We had lunch together, me and the justices, a couple of them, not all of them. Wink, wink. Yeah, wink, wink. You would be like, well, that seems highly unethical because if you have something in front of the court, why are you fraternizing? Even if you're not like discussing the case, 
wouldn't that look weird? Yeah. Like, if you were a justice, you would say, "I listen, I appreciate the gesture, but I should not be seen with you or hanging out with right. you for any reason because, uh, come on, perception matters here. And yet this lady is saying, we pray with them. So who is this lady? Mm-hmm. Her name is Peggy Knee Neighbor, and she happens to work with a ministry called DC Ministry, which happens to be an extension of the conservative Christian group Liberty Council, hmm. which is famous for being anti-LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. They're the attorneys that backed up uh, Kim Rowan, uh, sorry, in Rowan County, Kentucky, uh, Kim Davis, oh, that anti-gay yeah, yeah, yeah. lady. Like, and they're people who wrote a brief urging the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade. This is all the huh. same ministry and now this lady who works for that group, Liberty Council, is saying, yeah, we go in there. We pray with them. Present tense is what she said. Mm. Isn't that effed up? That's what Rolling Stone was trying to call out. Um, and so this is what's messed up about it. Rolling Stone's headline is SCOTUS justices prayed with her, then cited her bosses to end Roe. Because in the decision to overturn Roe, they cited Liberty mm-hmm. Council's brief. They did, yeah. And again, the whole point of this is completely unethical at the very least. Yeah. Because if we were not talking about Christianity and praying, I think this would be obvious to everyone. Right. Right? So Rolling Stone confronted Liberty Council mm-hmm. with this article before they went live. And they're like... Uh, hey, Matt Staver, head of Liberty Council, what's up with your person here saying they pray? I'll read from Rolling Stone. The Supreme Court did not respond to a request for comment. Liberty Council's founder, Matt Staver, strenuously denied that the in-person ministering to justices that Nee Neighbor bragged about exists. Oh. It's entirely untrue, Staver mm. told, tells Rolling Stone. There is just no way that has happened. He adds... She has prayer meetings for them, not with them. Asked if he had an explanation for Nee Neighbor's direct comments to the contrary. Mm-hmm. Staver says, I don't. Oh. <laughs> he then well, added, that's that but then, then very specifically he added, we just would never do something like that, which is what I want to hear from him. Of course, you should not be doing that because it looks improper at the very least. Right. So, and again, I, I just want to... I want you to think about this. What is the analogous situation Mm. with some liberal group doing exactly this, but it's not prayer and would the Christian and, and that the Christian right would not flip out about if they heard. Oh, it doesn't exist. Doesn't, doesn't exist. Um, so then they, Rolling Stone asked knee neighbor, they got in touch with her like, Hey, what's up with these comments you made? She said, I do not socialize with the justices. Oh, that sounds like the way she normally talks. Uh Uh-huh. But then guess what? She Uh. has photos with Brett Kavanaugh and Clarence Thomas. Oh, those two. I'm so surprised Uh it's those two. But then she... And she actually referred to Clarence Thomas on Facebook as a friend. That was the word she used. And praised him for, quote, passing by our ministry center to attend church and always taking time to say hello. So she does kind of socialize with these Mm. people at the very least, or maybe she doesn't think prayer is a form of socializing. And that's how she rationalizes what she just said. Um, One of her colleagues, uh, Patty Bills, the director of constituency affairs at Faith and Liberty, which works with 
Liberty Council. She didn't want to discuss the ministry practices, citing privacy concerns. Sure. Bills would not, however, deny that Faith and Liberty ministers to Supreme Court justices. I never said we didn't. I just said we provide privacy. Which is not helping your case. Wait, can you help me understand what the fuck is going on here for a second? In my mind, this Christian right group, a hate group, a group that actively spreads lies about gay people, Uh abortion rights, everything, in order to get these justices and politicians to pass laws against it, Uh it turns out they're meeting in secret with Supreme Court justices to quote-unquote pray with them. And as far as we could tell from her comments and the way she casually said them, it's like something that is ongoing Mm -hmm. and now confronted with their own words. They're like, Oh, we don't, we don't do that. Why would you think we do that? After Rolling Stone published their story, knee neighbor, like basically fessed up. She acknowledged her remarks and conceded that she has prayed personally with Supreme court justices. Okay. Um, despite Speaking in the present tense on the live stream, she said, my comment was referring to past history and not practice of the past several years, saying like during COVID, I couldn't even go in there even if I wanted to. So it's been a while. But again, this means she went from bragging about it Mm -hmm. to saying, I would never do something like that to, okay, I did, but it was a while ago. But she wasn't lying in any of those, right? No, no, I wasn't lying about it. By (laughs) the way, there's a video on YouTube from 2019 in which she says, points to the Supreme Court and says, yeah, we go in and pray with the justices. Like, this just happened. It's not that long ago. Yeah, whatever. And then yet Matt Stavers like, we would never do something like that. These people are all liars. Uh, Yo, my God, such a liar. And the only way I would say like he thinks he's telling the truth is like, we would never condone somebody doing that. You know what I mean? But if somebody did it without me knowing, how could that be my fault? Yeah. And this is the thing, like, you know how Sonia Sotomayor could release a book and she might go on Jimmy Fallon's show to talk about the book. And the rule is... We're not going to talk about cases. Mm -hmm. You can ask me about anything else you want, but not the cases because I don't want to give any impressions that would be unethical. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the way they do business, as they should. But in the case of the conservative justices, it's like, oh, you want to hang out for social gatherings with the people whose cases are in front of you? And by the way, whom you side with all the time, not a big deal at all. Is that just unethical or is it illegal? It is not illegal because what's Mm. the law we're going to point to? There is none. They have no code of ethics on the Supreme Court, which is a problem. Yeah, none. That's why Clarence Thomas can be like, yeah, my wife planned the coup, whatever. What what are you going to do to me? Like, they have no code of ethics on the Supreme Court. And they say we're, of course, we're impartial. Why would we ever do anything unethical? But they totally do. Mm. There's no code of ethics. So. All of this. Well, that's cool that the foundation of our country has nobody to There's no one guarding the hen house there. Um, and here's the thing honest. about praying. Even this is if, neat. This feels good. Yeah. I feel good about things. Even if, let's say, Liberty Council's people yeah. met with these Supreme Court justices. Mm-hmm. Let's say all they did was pray, even though uh, one guy who used to work for the organization and is now kind of critical of the cozy relationship between the Christian right and politics, mm. he said, when I was there... Yeah, we met with Supreme Court justices. This is like late 80s, early 90s. Actually, I upped that a decade. 90s and like early aughts. He basically said, 
Um, we met with them all the time in the hopes that we would influence them. Here's what he said. This is uh, Rob uh, Schenk. He said, to pray with the justices was to perform a sort of spiritual conditioning. The intention all along was to embolden the conservative justices by loaning them a kind of spiritual moral support, which is totally true. That's exactly what you would think. They don't have to say, hey, justices, hope you rule this way on the Roe v. Wade case. No, they just say, hey, justices, let's join in Jesus Mm -hmm. that he will remove evil Mm -hmm. from the face of this country. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Oh, guess what? That is exactly how they ruled. And again, I go back to, can you even think of what the liberal version of this story would be that doesn't involve prayer and that Christians on the right would be totally fine with because they use the same excuses as these people? Again, if if the ACLU said, yeah, we just go give a pep talk to the liberal justices every so often just to pat them on the back and say, you're doing a good job. How that would be I a hope Fox you continue news. to protect the freedoms of our citizens. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> but exactly. I'm not telling There's you to no do anything. There's no version of that that the Christian right would not flip yeah. out over. And yet we're supposed to act like this is just prayer. It's fine. And of course, on the right, mm-hmm. if you criticize any of this, they're going to be like, what do you have against Christianity? It's all a problem with the Christian right. And yet they're they're not just rigging the system, which they've already done on the court. They're basically urging and connecting with these justices to vote how they want you to vote. Mm -hmm. It's, it's just so rigged and it's incredibly frustrating because I don't think there's anything you can do to put a stop to it. Yeah. Um, before we keep going, are we going to talk about, uh, the Highland park shooting? I don't know what to say about that shooting that happened in the northern suburbs of Illinois. I do have a thing I wanted to talk about regarding guns in general. Okay. But I I don't know what to say. Like, it's people sent us some nice messages saying, like, I hope you guys are okay because it happened in your state. Um, We don't actually live near Highland Park. So it's the Chicago suburbs are very big. Yeah. Um, But man, I mean, it's locally speaking. I mean, just thinking about Fourth of July stuff, like, yeah, it's the only thing neighbors were talking about. It's mm-hmm. the only thing anyone here, because uh, it was Fourth of July. So it's like, are you going to the fireworks? Uh, maybe I'll just stay at home and yeah. watch them from the backyard or something. Yeah. Um, I, I think the the main thing I want to emphasize is that um, Highland Park is not Chicago. I just want to be very, very, very clear about that because we're already hour north. If you were driving, we're hearing a lot of people say, well, Chicago, well, Chicago. Um, The reality is Highland Park is not only pretty far away from Chicago, especially like going straight north from Chicago takes for fucking ever. Um, it's also one of the wealthiest suburbs, not just in the Chicago land area. Michael Jordan lived there when Mm -hmm. he was on the Bulls. Yeah, this is a. A nice place. It's where, uh, it's what, um, what's his face? It's not John Waters. What's that mother? Uh, John Hughes. Yeah, a lot of movies are filmed there. Yeah. Like it's quintessential Americana suburbia yeah, type of place. Imagine that, which is to that say, house from home alone. Like the, that kind of neighborhood. You can't write this off as something that happens in a dirty city right. somewhere. No, this is a pretty wealthy suburb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can happen anywhere. Yeah. Um, and, you know, people talk about violence in Chicago, which is what it is and often use Illinois specifically as a in Chicago um as a example of why gun laws don't work um because no matter what 
They still have guns in Chicago, uh, which is just such a like hilarious misunderstanding of how states work. Like what? So we're bordered by Indiana and Wisconsin, which both have pretty lax gun laws. I don't know about Iowa's. But we're uh, surrounded on most... Missouri, I can't imagine, is doing a lot in the way of gun restrictions. So I mean, Chicago, anyway, is next to Indiana, and a lot like, of the guns come from there. Yeah, in that's the case where they of the Highland Park shooter, his dad legally got him the gun. Mm-hmm. Legally. Mm-hmm. Which says the laws are not good enough, even in a place where guns... Uh, where there are laws there were deme- uh, need to be more strict. Yeah, the cops had been called to his house in the past. Yeah. Like, he had a record. And he this shouldn't... was a parade. It's not like cops were not present if you're thinking, well, if you just have more cops, this will be fixed. It's a parade in a city. There are, gu- there are cops everywhere. I, I do not know how they think this would have been stopped. And I also want to say that when we talk about, okay, we need tighter gun legislation... Well, that wouldn't have stopped this one. Maybe not. But just because we can't stop everything doesn't mean we should stop trying. Like, I, I feel like it's the same way of, like, we're all saying you can't stop abortion. You can stop safe abortion because we understand that people don't always adhere exactly to the law. But for people, but, but Republicans are still happy to be like, well, who fucking cares? Then if they die, they die. They die breaking the law. Right. Whereas with guns, it's all of a sudden, right. we can't, well, we can't make laws because people, because people won't them. do that, do mm-hmm. anything about it. And it's like, well, I don't know. It sounds like that's a you problem and not a me problem. Yeah. Sounds like I would still like to walk down my street without thinking I might get sniped. Yeah. But and you're worried because thing, a man bought his criminal son an automatic weapon who the son had said he wanted to inflict violence. I think the dad said something like, I didn't think he would do this. You bought him a weapon. And Why? this motherfucker ran for mayor, by the way, the yeah, dad. Yeah, he did. He was a failed mayoral candidate. So we're not talking about like people like white trash people or people whose parents weren't around or bo- no yeah. it's a family it's a regular american family and their son murdered people and he they gave them they gave him the tool to do that and if that man isn't prosecuted i do not know what we mm. are doing I did appreciate that uh Pritzker the governor has just gone all in against gun violence saying mm-hmm. the things I would want him to say it's it's so weird to have a billionaire governor who mm-hmm. in on paper seems to be what you don't want in politics right right and yet he is as progressive as he, he could as I could have hoped for yeah meanwhile the Republican running for governor in Illinois mm. hours after the shooting does a campaign video at a separate Independence Day parade mm. where at some point in the video he's like yeah, horrific tragedy, horrific tragedy. Let's move on and celebrate. It's like, the cool. fuck is wrong with Seven you? people died. Gun Let's loving. move on. Yeah, just Honestly, up. truly, there have been... The thing that happened on the 4th of July as well is the evening, it was it got pretty stormy and, yeah. and not great. So a lot of people didn't set off fireworks, which I was very excited about. And I was like, <laughs> oh, good. Maybe they actually got the idea that fireworks are fucking terrible and pointless and stupid and dangerous. Um, but now the last... What's today, the sixth, the seventh, the last few nights? Fireworks every fucking night. My poor dog. Like, I fucking hate this stupid country. We can't even celebrate things well without harming people. Can't even celebrate the thing we 
don't even want to celebrate to begin with because who has independence anymore? Um, While we're talking about misinformation, I'm going to talk about uh, this other one that I saw last week. And it pisses me off because I saw right-wing websites running with a lie. And they all just feed off of each other. I know. It's not that they're lying. Of course they lied. I was like, I wonder how many right-wing sites are going to pick up on a lie and I was, here's what, here's what I want you to pay attention to. It's not the fact that they lied. It's how it originated. Cause I think that's, what's telling about this story. Here's the accusation. Here's the headlines on all these right-wing sites. The Biden administration wants to promote atheism worldwide. It's like that. Where the hell are you getting this from? What's. Doesn't even very pass the smell word. test. No, not even close. So here's here's what's going on. Because I dug into this because I'm like, there's no way the Biden administration is promoting atheism. Yeah. I promise you they're not. They they are not that interesting or cool. Like, so what the hell's the actual story here? Here's the story. The US State Department has a division called the Bureau of Democracy, Human Rights, and Labor. And their job, like they want to spread democracy and human mm. rights around the world. Because it's going well That's here. That's a good thing. Like, you want the State Department to work on spreading democracy and human rights. All well and good. One of the ways they do it mm. is they say, for example, uh, we want to make sure we are protecting this problem in this country. Uh, so, for example, they have, like, we want to assist freedom of expression in Morocco. Or we want to promote religious freedom in Burma specifically, which is majority Buddhist. And they say, these are the things we want to achieve. We want to make sure people who are not part of that majority religion Mm. have a voice and they feel safe and things like that. Um, I wish they did that here. Right. So it turns out they have dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of projects like that, Mm -hmm. that they put out there. And they say, we have $500,000 for this project mm-hmm. and we are giving away one or two grants that help us achieve this goal. Mm-hmm. And these are the types of things we want to see happen. Mm-hmm. These are examples of what you could do. Mm-hmm. If your organization thinks you have a way to make it happen, apply for the money. And if we approve it, we'll give it to you. That's how they work. Mm-hmm. So in April of 2021, over a year ago, They put out a request saying, we want to support religious freedom globally. Fine. I'm going to read to you um, the actual website, what it says. They said, we want to, this is a funding request, basically, for promoting and defending religious freedom, inclusive of atheist, humanist, non-practicing, and non-affiliated individuals. Mm. And basically what they said is, what what are we trying to do? We want to protect... human rights for atheists in countries where you might be branded as apostates. Mm-hmm. So Could still examples, be executed for yeah, examples of projects could be uh, legal rights advocacy um, to protect atheists in like majority religious nations, mm-hmm. uh, promoting journalism to foster dialogue between non-religious and religious people. Mm-hmm. They said increasing the capacity to document abuses of religious freedom. Hmm. That's what they said as examples of what they're looking for. They had $500,000 for one or two grants. Mm -hmm. And by the way, you pointed this out. You're right. The Freedom of Thought report released by Humanist International, uh, which kind of documents human rights abuses Mm -hmm. for atheists, says, I mean, very clearly, and they document it nation by nation, 
Like, if you are an open atheist in certain countries, the punishment could range from prison time mm-hmm. to execution. So it's not like this is not a real problem. And many of this, I want to be clear, many of those countries you could probably also be executed for being or, or be punished for being Christian or yeah. Muslim and we'll or get to that. whatever wrong religion you are in yes. the place. So maybe I thought they were all about being anti-Christian persecution. Okay, so we'll get to that. Oh, so God. on the website for the this particular grant, they said our objective is to combat discrimination, harassment, and abuses against atheists, humanists, non-practicing, and non-affiliated individuals of all religious communities by strengthening networks among these communities and providing organizational training and resources basically saying we want to protect you what can we do to help you out Uh and it's one proposal one idea for proposals call for proposals out of a whole bunch of them okay um i actually looked up like do they do anything for christians yeah they do they do similar things in like muslim majority nations where they say hey we want to help protect the minority muslim sect we want to protect christians who are under attack Mm -hmm. these are the ways we could do it you could apply for funding All of that is well and good. So what happened last week? A group called the Republican Study Committee, which I know sounds paradoxical to begin with. It's led by a guy named Jim Banks of Indiana, congressman who I believe is one of the insurrection types. Oh, nice. He basically wrote a letter and sent out a press release, which is how the right found out about this. He basically wrote a letter saying this was an attempt to promote atheism worldwide. He said, we are writing to express our grave concern that the State Department is using appropriated funds Mm. to support atheism and radical progressive orthodoxy across the world. Dot, dot, dot. You know, um, he said... uh, It is basically appalling that the department, it's one thing for the department to be tolerant and respectful of a wide range of belief systems. It is quite another for the U.S. government to work actively to empower atheists, et cetera, et cetera. Wait, wait. Yeah. Why is that bad? If they can empower Christians, why can't they empower atheists? He's like, yeah, religious freedom. How dare you empower atheists? That's like endorsing atheism he said this would be analogous to official state department promotion of religious freedom particularly for christians in china basically saying you would never do that and of course if you did all the liberals would freak out about it except again i looked at the other things the state department was doing that is exactly what they do are you telling me they're not being intellectually honest not even close so again i looked this up In a project to promote religious freedom in Afghanistan, the State Department specifically says we are looking to help Shia Muslims, Sikhs, Christians, Hindus, and others. There was another one calling for uh, expanding religious tolerance in Mozambique that points out the prevalence of religiously motivated discrimination among the various Christian faiths practiced in northern Mozambique. There was one supporting religious equality in Bangladesh that highlights how the government sometimes fails to hold accountable the perpetrators of mob violence against minority Hindu, Christian, uh, Ahmadi, and humanist communities. Mm. So yeah, they do help Christians who are genuinely being persecuted too. But the Republican letter signed by 15 Republican congresspeople basically said they're promoting atheism. And then the right-wing websites, including Fox of News, course. including all the ones you would expect, ran Just with that grabbed headline. grabbed the bit and ran with it, yeah. A yeah. couple things 
to know his letter, which is just a mix of garbage. What else did he mention in it? He denounced Black Lives Matter, critical race theory, slammed abortion rights, claimed atheism was equivalent with Marxism and communism. All of this in the same letter where he's lying about what the State Department's doing. Um, also, this I found Do interesting. Do you think they know? Do you think this is the question yeah. I always ask you and I'll never know Do the answer. Do they know they're idiots? Do they, they, do they know they are purposefully <laughs> misinterpreting actual shit or are they so first thought that they don't even dig any deeper on anything? I mean, what are the options here? Jim Banks and all 15 Republicans have no clue what they're signing. They just read one line and they ran with it. Uh-huh. That's an option that they're really that stupid. Yeah. Another is they know this isn't what's happening, but they love stoking the culture wars and they know they'll get headlines out of this. Or everyone on their staff is a fucking idiot. It's got to be one of those things, right? Like, or maybe a mix yeah, of all of them. Yeah, because this isn't even, we're not even talking, right now, we're not even talking about disagreeing about religious principles. No. Right? We are no. talking about absolute black and white facts, which obviously yeah, are, shit has been like. to support religious freedom yeah. in places where that is under attack. In some places that hurts Christians. Right. Not in the U.S., but no. in other places. In some places that it uh, hurts atheists. Mm-hmm. And in this one proposal, and no one knows there are a million proposals out there where you can ask for money to do this stuff. Sure. The Republicans didn't mention that. No. They just said, look, you guys, they're doing this. Yeah. No one's going to do the research into saying, oh, it's that's one option out of like a million options. And then here's how I know no one is reading this letter and they don't expect anyone to read this letter. This is a line in the letter. Here's what they were trying to do. They were trying to say humanism is a religious belief. Therefore, promoting humanism or atheism is like an endorsement of religion. Therefore, it's unconstitutional. I think that's the logic they were trying to play here. Here's what the letter says. Wait. Yeah. That doesn't even make sense in their own logic. Nothing makes sense. Here's what the letter says. To be clear, atheism and humanism are official belief systems. Basically saying, therefore, promoting them is unconstitutional. But after they say they're official belief systems, they include a footnote. And if you go down to the footnote, Uh it's a link to a tweet from the American Humanist Association. Okay. So if you click on that link to Uh the tweet, what do you think the Humanist Association would have said? Humanism is a legitimate religious belief? Yeah, like that's where I thought you would be going because why else would you link to that tweet? Yeah. So I went to that tweet. What is that tweet? Today, the American Humanist Association Board voted to withdraw, effective immediately, the 1996 Humanist of the Year Award it bestowed on Richard Dawkins. Remember when he made anti-trans comments? No, I absolutely remember that. Do you think there was a mistake? Or I... This is what they link to to say humanism dumb. is a religious belief. They that just pointed to, to a, a mi- random AHA of- tweet. Again, I, I, is everyone incompetent? Are they this stupid? Or do they just know, listen, no one's going to read the letter and look at our footnotes. Here's so the- let's just throw in anything we can. Here's the thing, Hammond. I've had a lot of jobs. <laughs> I'm 36 years old. I've, I've lived many lifetimes. I think they're all idiots. I have worked with more woefully incompetent human beings than I care to think about right now. And they all fucking got promoted. Genuinely, like, there is my husband's old um, job. The CEO who's been in place for five years has fucked the company up through incompetence. I think that we should not assign malice where incompetence is more likely. 
I mean, I, I think I'm they're so also malicious. I'm so to say they're both ignorant and malicious, except one of the people who signed this letter is Dan Crenshaw, Republican from Texas, mm. who's the guy with the, the eye, eye patch. patch. He gets so much praise mm. from like mainstream media outlets because occasionally he will say Marjorie Taylor Greene or Lauren Boebert. Right. He's like, they're idiots. Right. Don't listen to them. They're insane. And it's like, yes, look, someone's calling out the crazies. It's like, no, he is one of the crazies. So Why he also he signed, signed this? this letter. Okay, so, all right, I guess i think i or i thought he was not lunatic yeah yeah no he is um here's the last thing at the very end of this three-page letter jim banks and the other members of this committee asked a series of 12 questions they wanted the state department to answer for them basically giving them homework over their conspiracy theory here's one of the questions i just want to point out to you why should americans support the state department in promoting a belief system the adherents of which remain a small minority in the United States. Okay, first of all, that sentence is a nightmare, <laughs> grammatically speaking. His, but second to put of it all, more simply, he's saying, "Why are we promoting a religion that like only a few percentage of Americans?" Believe? Don't you love that sort of dismissal of, "Well, this doesn't matter because it only affects one percent of the population." Yeah. Like, but yeah. there's 300 million people in this country. <laughs> I know math isn't your yeah, favorite thing, but... You would think but... the people who cry, like, religious freedom, yeah. that's what matters. And here he is saying, yeah, but there's only a handful, like, 4% of America is atheist. Um, I he mean, doesn't then mention they're overrepresented in Congress as Christians. Yeah. Why don't we... Why doesn't he get mad about that? Like, yeah. if he's so worried about people being, like, one-for-one one represented <laughs> out in the world, then maybe yeah. he should look at his own fucking but, party and wonder why there's only white men in it. The, the hypocrisy... Of this guy saying like, well, it's a small minority, so why are we helping them out? It's like, that that's the whole thing about religious freedom. It doesn't it's matter how point. small of a minority your religious beliefs are in. Your religious liberties ought to be protected, no matter what you believe. That's I the just point. And he's right out there just idiots. bearing his entire ass saying like, yeah, there's only a few of them. Why are we helping them out? Because okay. you people are the religious Because that's your mission. It's to protect the First Amendment, asshole. Keep going. What else? Uh, what other question, bad faith questions did they ask? Oh, I'm not going through all of them. They're, no? they're all stupid. Okay. Um, let me jump to Florida. Different story. I don't wanna. Uh, we have to go to Ron DeSantis town because this was a shocker last week. So here's what's going on. Florida wants to, like, they, they are the people who are like, you can't say gay in the classroom. Mm. You can't teach about like black history. You can't mm. teach comprehensive US history. Mm-hmm. And like Ron DeSantis is pushing this through because that's he has the power to do it. Mm-hmm. He won with like 51% of the votes, governs like he has 100% of the mm-hmm. votes, and everyone's treating him right. like he's a smarter version of Trump as if that's a compliment. He's anyway. Not. So they recently have this multi-million dollar civics literacy excellence initiative. And basically, civics, literacy, lawmakers, excellence, Florida lawmakers basically said, we're going to devote millions of dollars into strengthening civics education across the state. What does that mean? What do they spend the money on? One of the things they're spending money on is that over the summer, they are offering 10 different seminars to uh, give teachers professional education. 
Okay. Are you already a teacher? Come to a three-day session. We will pay you $700 to attend mm-hmm. for your time. And if you do this, you're eligible, if you do some other stuff, for like a $3,000 bonus. Okay. Basically saying, okay, we want teachers to, to re-up their education when it comes to and civics. And that's not unusual, No, right? they do it all the time. I did it when I was a sure. teacher for math education. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I was teaching an AP class, for example, advanced placement class, there was a different seminar I could go to to make sure I'm up to date on what the test teaches, and I got paid to attend those things. Normal thing. That in itself is not a problem. But they're giving teachers enough incentive to come to one of these 10 seminars. Mm -hmm. The first seminar happened a couple of weeks ago. Uh Uh-oh. And people got a hold of what they were teaching Uh in these seminars. So according to the Miami Herald, it turns out, first of all, these workshops were developed with the help of Hillsdale College, what is Hillsdale College? It's a private Christian school in mm. Michigan. Known, Michigan? Michigan. Known for spreading bullshit American history. That sounds like the David Barton-esque mm, sort of like Barton. white Christian nationalism history where all the mm. founders were amazing, devout Christians. Right. And don't you dare say otherwise. Don't you dare say otherwise. And make sure you definitely still really care what the founding fathers yeah. thought. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. most important to Barton. Also helping develop this thing, the Bill of Rights Institute, which happens to be a group founded by the Koch brothers, which Oh, that's gives such a weird coincidence. Uh, campaigners. And, okay, so there are all these slides they used in the presentations, and the, the Miami Herald got a hold of the slides. They say things like, you know, misconception. The founders desired strict separation of church and state. Like, we got to make sure people don't think the founders okay. wanted to do that. Um, they also said things like, when did the founders' original intent begin to change? And then bullet point, uh, like Engel v. Vital, 1962, American Legion v. American Humanist Association, 2019. They're saying the founders... Uh, what were those cases? Uh, those were cases that are big church-state separation cases okay. where they said these things like helped separate church... They got prayer out of the classroom. You couldn't force your religion on kids... And maybe now we're starting to see this with the Supreme Court. Right. We are returning to what the founders wanted. Right. Uh, where do our rights come from, says the slide? Well, the Declaration says we're endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights. Uh, they refer to God as protection of divine providence, supreme judge of the world. Like, it's a very God wants America God loves America. Mm-hmm. The Bible and the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence go hand in hand. Congress shall make no law no, respecting that, that's not in the an teachings. establishment Sorry. of religion mm-hmm. or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech yeah, or you're reading of the, the Constitution press, and it doesn't or the right of people to peaceably assemble and to petition to the people. government for a redress of grievances. Nope, doesn't matter. Um, the uh, Miami Herald interviewed... That's pretty one, clear, isn't it? Yeah. 12th grade government teacher, and one of the teachers who attended the session said, it was very skewed. There was a very strong Christian fundamentalist way toward analyzing different quotes and different documents. That was concerning. <laughs> um, another teacher said, there was this Christian nationalism philosophy that was just baked into everything that was there. Oh, Jesus. And here's the thing, and this is what I'm afraid of. There are excellent teachers who realize what's going on mm-hmm. here. They know this is Christian nationalism. They know this is bullshit You're whitewashing right. of American history. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to 
fall for it. No. They're going to teach classes as they should be taught. Right. But imagine if you are a younger teacher who doesn't have a lot of background in teaching this mm-hmm. stuff. Imagine if you're just like, well, these are what the educators and the state say we need to make sure our kids know. Mm-hmm. We follow this stuff, oh, but yeah. most people don't follow this stuff. They're learning the wrong thing as teachers, mm-hmm. which they are then going to turn around and teach to their students with all the best of intentions. And that is the game here. The state is using taxpayer-funded money to spread misinformation to these teachers Mm -hmm. who will then pass it along to Florida students. And not only is that bad for the country. Who will then become teachers. um, I mean, it's bad for the students, too, because if I'm a college admissions counselor, it's like, oh, no, this kid got history lessons in Florida. And they want to be a history major. I don't think they're going to be suited for yeah. our school. Like, it's bad for the kids, too. Um, and they don't have any clue what they're in for. Americans United for Separation of Church and State filed a public record request saying, we're not going to sit by while politicians smuggle white Christian nationalism into public school curriculums under the guise of good citizenship. Mm. Um Freedom from Religion Foundation wrote a letter to the state's Department of Education commissioner calling for more accurate training materials, which I kind of want to be like, oh, that's adorable of you to try. (laughs) I don't think it's going to help. And again, what are you going to do? Because the state run by Republicans is like, we're just educating them about history. This is comprehensive. This is what they need to know because they're not being taught this in school. Yeah, because it's not true. And who can stop them from doing it? Because this is the way Christian nationalism gets smuggled into mm-hmm. the classroom. They don't have to pass a law saying, let's teach the Bible in school. Right. They got shit like this going on, mm-hmm. which has this secular vibe to it, mm-hmm. but it's not. And some teachers notice that. But again, what are, what are, what's anyone going to do about that? I mean, do you know what they're going to do about it? Is those teachers are going to quit. And then other people are going to take their place who will toe the line. And it's going to be in Florida. I read that 9,000, they're understaffed by 9,000 teachers at the moment. And that's going to get worse as you push out the ones. I mean, you, if you're gay and you want to talk about your family Mm -hmm. at all, good luck to you. Or have a picture of you and your spouse. Uh huh. And if you're a teacher who's like, I'm not teaching my kids bullshit Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to do it just because the state makes me like, that's the goal. The goal of Christian nationalists, one of them is to decimate public education Mm -hmm. so that the good teachers just get out of it so that they could say, look, the school's failing. Guess you should homeschool your kids. Guess what? We got a curriculum for you too. It's written by, you know, Patrick Henry College over here. Like, that's the thing. They want to get public education screwed over. So they're going to try to make it religious. They're going to try to sneak in religion when they can. And then when none of it works, because of course it isn't, because the good teachers aren't going to put up with it, they're going to drive them out of the system Mm -hmm. to just make public schools at large worthless. So what are you going to do if you're a parent? It's like, well, I can't trust the public schools. Let me teach. Let me enroll them in a private school, or let me, which most of which is private religious school. Let me do homeschooling, which is dominated by Christians who make homeschooling curricula. Like that's the end game here. And if you and if people don't see it, it's just going to keep happening in any states where this sort of thing happens. That (sighs) is what is frustrating. It's not just one state. This is a larger project. It's happening under our eyes. I mean, I don't know. Can you, is there anything 
that I should be hopeful about right now. You're asking me to give you hope? Yeah. Have you met Yeah, me? you've been responsible for all of my emotional turmoil <laughs> over the last four years, you and you alone. If it weren't for you, I'd be doing fine, so fucking cheer me up. Um... I'll, I'll give Fuck you, you. You don't have a cheer I, up story, do you? End, I will end this with a story to give you hope. Um, but first, let me talk about oh, this. Oh, but first, gun. you have to make me feel first worse. First, I have to make you feel worse. Um, this was actually written before the Highland Park massacre. Hmm. But do you remember after the shooting at the school in Uvalde, Texas, there was a tweet that was making the rounds, and it came from a company called Daniel Defense, which is a gun company. Mm-hmm. And it was it was it was deleted not long after the shooting, um, I believe after the shooting. But basically, it was a picture of a little boy holding what looked to be a semi-automatic weapon, mm-hmm. uh, unloaded, and it said, "Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it." Which is a Bible verse saying, "Like, look, if you give a get a." give a kid a gun now he's gonna learn how to use it is that in the why future. people say train up a child yeah, i've a heard that i've never understood that, used that terminology to justify why you should hit your kids sure spare the rod spoil the child yeah. that one i know i don't so know that's Daniel biblical defense is a christian company that makes weapons uh-huh. um they also happened to create the same they they created the gun that was used in the uvalde shooting mm. they also happened to create the weapon used in the mass, uh, some of them, I think, used in the mass shooting in Las Vegas, the biggest mass shooting ever, mm-hmm. which killed 60 people. Yep. Um, what I did not know um, until now, and this is from a New York Times essay written by historian Peter Manso, is that this company isn't alone. Um, I'm just going to read one paragraph from this thing. In Florida, Spikes Tactical, the finest AR-15s on the planet, their slogan, makes a line of crusader weapons adorned with the quote from the Psalms. Missouri-based CMMG, the leading manufacturer of AR-15 rifles, components, and small parts, advertises its employees' commitment to meet each and every morning to pray for God's wisdom Mm. in managing the enormous responsibility that comes with this business. Mm. And in Colorado, Cornerstone Arms explains that it is so named because Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of our business, our family, and our lives, and the Second Amendment to our Constitution is the cornerstone of the freedom we enjoy as American citizens. For many American Christians, Jesus, guns, and the Constitution are stitched together as durably as a Kevlar vest. Basically saying... These things, it's not one Christian company making weapons that kill people people. in mass shootings. A lot of them do it. He pointed out white evangelical Christians have a higher rate of gun ownership than any other religious demographic in the country, including non-religious people. The people who proudly, that means the people who claim they are pro-life are also the people most eager to put a bullet in a theoretical enemy. And the companies that profit from their gun fetish have created this culture where mass shootings are commonplace and citizens are falsely led to believe more guns are the solution to any safety issue, even though every other country has fewer guns mm. and not, no mass shootings, no mass basically are very rare ones. And he also points out that a uh, Mansow points out that this creates another obstacle to gun safety legislation because if you're trying to restrict access to weapons and trying to get guns off the streets Mm -hmm. it's not just oh you're anti-gun it's that you're anti-god 
because these things are intertwined. And that's another concern. Manso wrote, To imagine yourself as a good guy with a gun may inspire action movie daydreams, but it is ultimately a religious vision of a world in which good and evil are at war, where God and firepower make all the difference. So some of us want to see guns regulated, like cars are regulated, um, and that owners should have to go through a registration process mm-hmm. that involves training and insurance and a license that mm-hmm. we could take away from you if mm-hmm. you're irresponsible or you are a domestic abuser. Mm-hmm. But when conservative Christians see guns as an extension of their faith, of course they're not going to accept any restrictions because that's like you're going after their religion these are the same people that said what covid you want me to restrict how many people can come to my church in a public health crisis never it's a community of toddlers it's a community of people who don't want to do what anybody tells them even if it's the right thing to do even if it's a smart thing to do even if it's the kind thing to do even if it's a safe thing to do these people are so ornery they will literally let their children die before giving up they're fun guns that they think are cool and yeah. neat. These are people who don't want red flag laws. They don't want mandatory registration on their weapons. They don't want smart weapons that won't fire unless you, the owner, are right. the person with the finger on the trigger. So, like, the I, people who are, like, thoughts and prayers after every mass shooting also want to make sure you can never do anything actionable right. to restrict their access to these So, weapons. over the last month, we saw in Texas that um, however many how many children died? like 20 20 something um that cops stood by outside a school while children were being actively shot at um and did nothing to stop them and kind of chalked it up to collateral damage and everybody said it was a door problem question mark mm-hmm. they couldn't unlock the, the door yes. so i'm curious what people's thoughts on how they could have prevented the Highland Highland Park Park shooting because this gentleman was on a rooftop and there were many, 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 many many cops there as Hemant previously pointed out. Mm -hmm. And like... And as we're learning... Are they just going to have to say There were plenty of opportunities to say this kid should not have had access to it. But again, if the laws in place did not stop it, Mm -hmm. that means we need better... Laws. Here's my question. Or more restrictions, whatever you want. So say six months or a year from now yeah. and this kid, I don't know his name and I don't want to say mm-hmm. it, um, ends up on trial or whatever. Mm-hmm. Are we going to see the Kyle Rittenhouse effect again? Are we going to see people saying this man is a hero? He was defending himself. I will say no, because there is no, I mean, one, there's been an admission of guilt from the killer. Mm-hmm. Also, there's no argument for defense. Mm-hmm. Uh which is what Rittenhouse claimed to have. Mm-hmm. He's like, I was just trying to protect myself. Still, so I, I don't, kill people. This guy was just straight up terrorizing. I don't see, community. but so I don't not, see gun nuts being like, yeah, he did a bad thing. Well, maybe. I, I feel like I've seen that in the case, like no one's sympathizing with this kid in Highland Park. But the point is like, there is a way to make, to minimize the amount of, of damage these people can do. But not only is there political opposition to it from Republicans Mm -hmm. and not nearly enough aggression from Democrats and other progressives, you have a religious angle to these things that makes it even harder to pass because these things are intertwined. How do you solve that? I mean, I think one thing that has to happen is that 
Christian pastors who don't belong to the wing nut mm-hmm. part of their faith have to speak out against this shit. But yeah. I'm afraid a lot of them won't for the same reason they won't speak out against QAnon or like political extremism right. because that's now a good chunk of their membership yeah. and they can't risk alienating right. half their church. And they think that's a bigger problem than just telling them the truth, which is your guns are fucking stupid and you are an idiot if you have them. You don't need it's- that type of weapon for hunting. You don't need it to protect yourself. None of you have protected anybody with these things. No. You're all insane. Stop it. They're not doing that. No. They won't do that. And they're the voices people are in churches might listen to mm. or leave. I hope they leave then. Like, well, get them out. Yeah. It's just hard to... It's just hard, man. I don't know. What am I... What are... Like, these people have no sense of longitudinal thinking. I think that is the main problem, and I want to go back to my lead theory again. They want to create an apocalyptic world, because they think if everything bad is happening here, Jesus will return. Um, I know people joke about this online. It's like, if you think Jesus is coming back, you should not be anywhere near elected office. No. it's It's not a religious test thing. It's a joke. But the point is, if you're not invested in the long-term success of this world, right. what the hell are you doing about it? They're politics? also worried that they're going to lose constituents or church members or whatever, yeah. that they're not like, well, how many people are going to, how many people in our church are going to die because they got fucking shot? Like, yeah. well, I've been thinking so much lately about this whole, like, the still, the nobody wants to work, people are too lazy, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, I don't know, a million people died in this country, so maybe that is reflected on our workforce. Like, yeah. nobody wants to work. There's a million fewer of us now than there were two COVID. years ago because of COVID. So, like, yeah. I have better priorities now. Like, flipping a burger for you is right. not high on my list. Well, and just, if it there were fewer people around to work, That's and it. also people realized that, like, yeah, you deserve dignity and a job that pays you a fair wage and doesn't physically or emotionally abuse you. Everybody deserves that. I'm jumping to one more sad story before I get to one maybe optimistic one, but I didn't want this to go ignored. Uh, In Australia this week, 12 members of a Christian cult, they didn't say cult, I'm calling it a cult, but 12 members of a church called The Saints were arrested and they were charged with murder. And what the hell did they do? The story, Went marching in. Yeah, the what they did is early. I, I got the joke. It was good, though. In January, there was an eight-year-old girl named Elizabeth Rose Strews. And basically, she has type 1 diabetes. Mm. She needs her insulin. Mm-hmm. That's what she needs. Her what did church, they give her? Her church would not give it to her. Her mm. parents, who are part of that group, would not give it to her for mm. six days. Uh-oh. Um... Because they just prayed that God would step in and fix it. And And again, I could easily rationalize this and say, well, God gave you the insulin, so use it. But no, like they just didn't give her the insulin and the girl suffered and then she died. And earlier this year, her two parents were convicted and charged with murder. And this week, Mm. another 12 members of the church were also charged with it. Wow. Good for you, Australia. Um, Speaking out about the arrest, the, the guy in charge said, it'll be alleged that 14 people in total allegedly made the choice to deny this young girl her right to medical care. The arrests are the result of a six-month investigation in which all officers involved were dedicated to ensuring those alleged to be responsible for her death are brought before the court. 
Which, again, yes, good. They, they should be punished mm-hmm. for what they did because faith healing should not be an exemption to homicide laws. Right. In Oregon, we saw something similar happen uh, for years with, like, one specific Christian sect mm-hmm. that allowed so many kids in the church to die yeah. because they wouldn't give them the life-saving treatments they needed. And I believe Oregon correctly changed the law to make sure those people were mm-hmm. punished I for what they did. Because some states had laws mm-hmm. saying... Faith healing is an exemption because you know you you genuinely wanted the kid to get. Which better. really that should have been uh, that should have been the first thing we fought against. Of yeah. Maybe nobody has the right to let their kid die on purpose. So, I hope I hope it goes on. I should point out that the family in question has like six kids, and the oldest is twenty three. Mm. Uh, the oldest kid's name is Jade Strews, the twenty three year old sister of Elizabeth, and she's been on a quest over the past. A couple of years. She's openly lesbian. She hmm. basically ran away from home Good. a while back. She is independent now. She's trying to get custody of the five other Good siblings for now. Her. Um, and she's openly been speaking out about her youngest sister. Um, she said, you know, they're extreme, they're small, controlled, speaking of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, she left the cult at 16. Good for her. Um, That's got to take so much story. bravery. Seriously. Um, those kids would be safer with her at 23 than yeah. they clearly are not Were with, with parents. Yeah. So I don't know what's going to happen to the dozen people arrested. There, they were in court this week. We'll see. But man, that is, it's always upsetting <sighs> when that one happens. I promised I would leave you with a mildly optimistic one. Oh, so. I thought that was my mildly no, optimistic no. note that they got the arrested. Interesting, <laughs> so, interesting story out of British Columbia uh, in Canada. Here's the question. Let's say you are part of a religious group where you have elders uh-huh. uh, and they keep tabs on you. They keep files on you. So if you imagine for a second, like you're at a Catholic church, uh-huh. you go into the confessional booth, you say stuff. Imagine they kept notes on the things you said. They don't, um, do they? They do not in the Catholic church, but in the Jehovah's Witnesses, Uh-oh. if you are accused of committing some sort of sin, you might have to have a meeting with the elders. Um, in your, quote-unquote, like, in your version of church. Okay. And it turns out there are two people, uh, their names are not important, but two people were members of Jehovah's Witness congregations uh, over the past 10 years. Mm -hmm. And they left. One of them left in 2014. Another, I'm sorry, one left in, like, 2017. The other left in 2009. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, they left, they want access to their files, and the fear here is not that the church has, like, biographical data, like we know where you live and mm-hmm. stuff. That's not the concern here. It's that we think you have files that say, here's what we were accused of, or here's why we n- might not be good people. You know how they get disfellowshipped and shunned yeah, yeah, when you yeah. leave the cult? Uh-huh. Well, I want to know what you're telling people. Like, mm. well, he he did some things, and therefore you should not congregate with this man who has left our church. <sighs> they say, well, in our province... There are privacy laws that say I control my personal information. Okay. Um, There is actually the province's Personal Information Protection Act, which says you control your data. And they say, well, guess what? I want my data from my religious group that I left. Because they don't control my files, my personal files. Sneaky, sneaky. I do. And so this is now in the courts. And basically, I think See, a judge we do said, things on technicalities too. Isn't it amazing? So they basically are arguing that any data, um, the the Jehovah's Witnesses are trying to fight to restrict giving away this information. Hmm. They want full control of the files. They what have. are they arguing? They're arguing 
that any data they have on members, past or present, Uh was used only to the extent necessary to provide spiritual support, as well as to protect the moral and spiritual cleanness of congregations, Hmm. Uh, which includes the opinions of elders about their members. Because let's say you go to the doctor's office, you have a meeting about some issue you're concerned about. Mm -hmm. Doctors not only keeping like your height, weight, that side of information, they may write down, well, I saw this rash and sure. I think it could be this. So I, I asked for this test uh-huh. and it's fine if it's confidential and right. stuff. But imagine if your doctor met up with other people in your family, like, well, I saw this person and... And that's what they would do? They could, theoretically. I mean, what justification are they going to give you mm. to say, you shouldn't hang out with this other person? They told me. They, yeah, because I heard they did a thing that was wrong. I can't tell you what it is. I don't, but it's like, I don't know. I don't know what they do, but that's the point. Right. Who should control that information? These two guys are saying... I should control the information. So I'm not going to get into Canadian law because I don't get it. Um, But basically, the witnesses are saying these are religious secrets, no different from what someone might confess to a Catholic priest in a confessional. Right. So we shouldn't have to give it to to anyone. Remember, like there were laws saying if some abuser confesses in a confessional booth, I abused a child. Right. Then the priest should be a mandated reporter. And there were laws saying, yeah, you know, like teachers are mandated reporters. Priests should be too. And who fought those laws? The The Catholic Church fought those laws. Well, the witnesses, the elders and the Jehovah's Witnesses are saying, you cannot expect us to give up this private, controlled, religious information. So, last September, a judge in British Columbia said, I know there are competing lawsuits here. Uh Uh-huh. But we're going to hand it over to someone called a privacy commissioner who's mm-hmm. in charge of dealing with that privacy law. Mm-hmm. Um, and that person gets to decide what our next steps are. Well, a couple of weeks ago, that person wrote a lengthy ruling saying the Jehovah's Witnesses have not shown that the law is unconstitutional, the privacy law. Mm. Um, so they have to give her the files that they have on these two guys. The privacies are? The privacies are. Yeah. They have to give her the files uh-huh. just to make sure there's nothing that the men should not be allowed to see that she would have to redact or anything. Okay. But that's kind of where we are here. She's saying the witnesses tried to say the law itself was unconstitutional because mm-hmm. they should be allowed to keep secrets as for religious reasons. Yeah. And she's se- saying... Keeping mm-hmm. secrets is in our constitution, <laughs> so it must be in theirs. Yeah. And she's saying, no, you, that's not an argument that's going to fly here. Give me the files and she'll decide where to go next. She wrote, once I have the opportunity to review the records... I will be able to decide what personal information in them the applicants are entitled to access under the law. That decision will also consider like blah blah blah. That's all legalese. Mm. But um, interesting, the what the Jehovah's Witnesses <sighs> want to do would undermine and defeat the privacy laws that are in the province. So. The British Columbia Humanist Association, I should say, called that decision by the privacy czar yeah. a victory for secularism and the rights of apostates and those who live religious communities. Mm-hmm. The executive director, Ian Bushfield, uh, Bushfield, said in a statement, this is a big win for the rights of individual congregants mm. and the ex-religious. 
The congregation's arguments, mm. the Jehovah's Witnesses' arguments, if adopted, would have meant that any religious group would have an extraordinary exemption from their obligations wow. under privacy laws. It would give religious leadership incredible powers to coerce co current and former members. Mm -hmm. And they're saying, you don't get that right. Once mm -hmm. we leave, we're taking our information with us. Good. So you can't do it. I hope that's what they end up doing. We're, we're still in the middle of it. But yeah. A little silver lining in the midst of all this stuff. Oh boy! Um, I know it's a lot. Where do we Where do we find you? Uh, well, next week you can find me um, on the podcast God Awful Movies. It will be out Tuesday, which is the ninth, tenth, twelfth. Uh, next Tuesday will be the twelfth. Um, so you can hear it there. It was very fun to record. Uh, you can always find me on Twitter at Jess Blimke. Um, you can you find me at Hem and Meta on Twitter. Go to onlysky.media for a bunch of articles by me yeah. and a lot of other people. We have a bonus episode coming mm. right up. I have no idea what we're talking about. No, in there. I can. Uh, I can tell you some things that tell I'm thinking about. Uh, uh, the Ren Fair is Ren coming Fair. up. Um, this show, The Landscapers. Okay. Um. Oh, shit. That's all I wrote down. Because the other thing I wanted to, to let you guys know is uh, I'm going to start like locking my shit down on Facebook a little bit more because um, I deserve to have some privacy. So mm. I uh, thought that is going to be a new thing. So <laughs> if I unfriend you, go ahead and follow me. I am only going to be friends with people I am actually friends with because I'm really fucking sick of people thinking that I am their personal debate opponent. <laughs> um, I actually have things to do with my life and I am unable to let anything go if somebody is wrong. Let's um, add that to the bonus. I want to talk about privacy. Okay. Uh, All right. Let's add that well. then. All right. Um, uh, yeah, that's it. Go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast to support the show. Oh, wait, you can leave a review. I have it pulled up. Don't worry. It's not going to take a long time. Oh, Very okay. engaging. Listen, you can always leave a review on iTunes from Thanks. Friday. Wait, I think I did this. Did I do T-Rex loves sugar cereal already? I don't know, but let's hope it's a good one. Okay. A small, as a small blue dot in a sea of red Southern U.S., I look forward to this pod every week as a respite from the religious fervor all around me. Thanks, Hemet and Jessica, for all of this info you share through engaging conversation. And thanks for being an ally to underserved community. And then a oh, handshake emoji. Oh, thank you. So we shake it. your hand back. All right. We'll see you next week. Okay. Goodbye.